David, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. You scared the poop out of me. What? What? What, what happened? I don't. I don't know. You never uh, called. What? I didn't get. A, I, did, I saw no incoming call. Well, it's not. It's no matter. Oh, now. I didn't see you signed on. Well, we'll talk about it later. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat later. We'll whoa, have a talk whoa, about. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny about that is that it's actually technically gone spectacularly so far. Yeah, it has. Live from Hollywood for uh, for um, un- unallowable reasons. I'm in Hollywood. Are you? I really am. Congratulations, I'm, I'm you made it. Finally made it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do they say? Hooray for Hollywood! Hollywood. Can't undisclosed reasons. I'm in Hollywood. Uh, how, how? So you've been? We've been. We took last week off. Yes, it's been two weeks. You've been busy uh, toiling on Broadway. Yes, very toiling. And I hard at work uh, in Hollywood. Great. Uh, and, no, actually, last week I was in. Uh, I was actually went back home. Uh, I was in around San Francisco uh, last week. Right. And I did uh, an open mic. I, I did a stand up open mic night. Did you? Nice. How'd it go? My first. It went. It went well. It went well. In fact, uh, well, the last time. I guess it's a sort of a, a medium length story. I went. Uh, the last time I did stand up. In fact, well, why don't I present it this way? Uh, in honor of having done an open mic night uh, last week, I'd like to open the phones uh, for a sort of an open mic night this evening. That's a good idea. The phone number is 201-209-9368, 201-209-9368. You can call in, uh, I, I think, a couple of jokes or a song. You could sing one song, I think, and uh, or anything, really. I mean, there's no real limits to what you could do, but it's night people, open mic night. So was this your first time doing open mic? Well, the no? last time I did it was 15 years ago. And did you do stand-up? Oh, the last time I did it, I had an acoustic guitar, and it was 15 years ago, and it was in this very same town that I actually did this most recent open mic night. Huh. And uh, the la- so the last time I did it, I had my acoustic guitar, and I was just back from England, and uh, I went to this open mic night with two friends of mine, and uh, I had to wait. Now, has anybody, have you ever done an open mic night before? Uh, sort of. Kind what of. Is, they're horrible. It's like the worst torture you could. It's 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 entertainment torture. Yeah, it is. It is torture for any number of reasons. Uh, you have to essentially. It's a it's a whole culture basically, and the locals. Uh, I mean, not necessarily the locals, but the usuals. Let's call them the regulars. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they get, you know, they're in with the MC, and open mic MCs are a breed of their own. Uh, and, and they're in with these open mic MCs, so they keep pushing their friends up ahead of you no matter when you sign up, and they let these guys go on for three, four, sometimes five songs. And inevitably, no matter what the open mic night is, I almost always go on at the end, which means I don't mind the waiting. It's that I ha- while I wait, I have to listen to, you know, every single open mic night performer on the way. You see what I'm saying? Yes, and even if there are... A- couple good things in there on a whole it's just it's torture it's long i mean one song a good open mic night host allow limits it to two songs per person you know what i mean but this guy that night uh now we're so i'm taking you back let's all enter our time machine our night people time machine we're going back 15 years and Mm -hmm. i am in a i'm a very young man and i'm i got my acoustic guitar and we're doing an open mic night uh, and so I had to wait through all these people, all these, uh, you know, older bearded men singing folk songs of, of, of all kinds of, all kinds of variations. And finally it was my turn. And I was really hoping to impress my friends that were in the audience. Cause I was just back from England. I had all this newly acquired, uh, material and talent. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, finally I got up on stage and, uh, I played, uh, I, I started playing, uh, I was getting really excited about the song, and I decided it was a sort of at a coffee shop. It wasn't at a bar. Right. Is this, an, uh, is this an original song you're playing? It's not like a cover song or anything, right? No, it was an original an original song, Sandy, an original composition. Right. A Dave Fullis original. Okay. And, uh, you know, in the, in the excitement of the moment. Now, I'd, been, I'd come off of just, I'd been in Hamburg, I'd been touring around Germany and doing all this sort of thing, and I was used to, I, you know, I'd been busking a lot, playing in the streets, and uh, so, you know, I was, I was playing the song, and I felt like people weren't paying me the proper amount of attention, so I climbed up on somebody's table and continued to perform, perform the song. Right. And uh, at that, the MC of the open mic night grabbed me down from the table uh, and sort of like uh, gave me a talking to in the middle of my of my song, uh, to which my reaction was to go over to the microphone stand, throw it onto the ground, say, you know, F, F you and F this place and storm out of the, <laughs> uh, the coffee shop. With my guitar still around my neck, and leaving, abandoning my two friends who were still sitting there, staring at the empty stage. <laughs> so that was my last open mic night, and I was and I was banned from the place. I could not return to the place. I mean, I don't. I'm not much of a coffee shop kind of a person. Uh, wow, there's so much to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. And let me just say, as a side note, as a digression, Sandy, boy, am I excited about 2012. Yes, it's looking good got a lot of great stuff and while we're on the topic of songwriters night people my 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 pals next week we have bill d's on the radio show uh bill d's is a roy orbison songwriting partner from the 60s he wrote pretty woman he wrote it's over he wrote crawling back this guy has been 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 around the world and he he is a uh, one of my favorite songwriters and we're really fortunate to have him on next week for a for a good interview so so definitely tune in then so back to my hijinks mm-hmm. so i've been i've been thrown out and i just sort of stood in the there was sort of a median in the there was a median in the road and i stood there hoping my friends would come out eventually and they did they came out uh, and uh, we were talking, and they were both very pretty embarrassed about what had happened, and I was even sort of, I was very confused. I had adrenaline was was flowing through my veins, and about five minutes later, one person ran out of the coffee shop, and they came up to me, and they said, that was incredible. They said, he said, do you, do you do that every time? Like, that, he thought that that was the act. That's great. And, 
I, was, I saved a little face with that comment, but not a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> was it a young person who said that to you? Older than me at the time. Oh, wow. It's like, why is it so difficult to gauge the age of someone who's older than you? I don't know. Maybe because you just haven't been there yet? I don't know. I wonder. We should, I can't wait to see how attractive you've become. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't uh, seen your face in a long time, huh? I know. Are you going to kiss me when I see you? Yeah, I'll hug you. All right, fair enough. So, uh, so anyways, 15 years later... I'm back, and now, you know, I'm, I wanted to do some stand-up. I've been talking about doing it on the air for, for some years now, and uh, now I'm, 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 on, I'm on the road. I want to do, I'm going to do some stand-up, but I felt like I had to do it. I've done it for groups of friends, my routine. I felt like I needed to do it in front of strangers. It seemed like a necessary step, you know? Mm-hmm. So coincidentally, I was back home in the San Francisco area, and I thought that I would go back. I couldn't go back to the identical place that I was before, but I went back to the very same town, you know, the very same strip of bars that I was at before. Right. Uh, I didn't. I, I felt like I, I no longer had to sign up. I felt like it was above all this now. So I wasn't going <laughs> to sign up. I felt like they just get the feeling when I walked into the bar of how important I was, <laughs> how far I'd come. But it was torture. I mean, you know, it's like 15 years later, and what if I'm back at the same place where I began? What, what have I been doing for the last 15 years, you know? Right. It's a little humiliating. I wasn't looking forward to it. I never enjoyed the open mic nights. They were always very long, very trying, because you're really, you know, in the old days, I would be really, really nervous for the, for the two hours or three hours that I'd have to wait to go on. Um, and inevitably, I knew I was going to go on last. I was not excited about it. Um, so we went uh, to this. We went to this place. It was like a Tuesday night or a Monday night, I think. And uh, sure enough, uh, I I, I uh, walked in. He's like, hey, the guy says, "Oh, you know, you should have signed up uh, earlier." And I said, "Well, <laughs> I do what I can do." So I tell him my name. I Dave. He writes it on the list. And he says, "You know," uh, I said, "Is stand up comedy all right?" You know, because I, they're expecting mostly acoustic musician performances. Right. And he said. Well, he said last week somebody did it, and it really didn't go so well. Like almost like I should maybe not do it. Right. I said oh, I, I just said oh, you know, no, okay. He was discouraging and, and, you from doing it from the start. Yeah, and he was your <laughs> typical open mic MC with like a fedora and like a little, you know, some stubble, and uh, re- really excited about certain Grateful Dead covers. I'm from Grateful <laughs> Dead country, you know, definitely right, firm, right. firmly planted in Grateful Dead country. Uh, so, uh, so it was about nine thirty, I think, when we got there. And uh, and do you have friends with you, or is it you, just you and your wife? Uh, my wife and I. Yeah, that right. was it. I didn't invite friends wanted to attend, but I discouraged them because they might be sitting there for who knows long. Oh, you know? right. And they said, "Oh, I'm sure you'll go get right on." And I, I knew, I knew better. I knew better. Uh, so I went, uh, sat on these stools at the bar. Uh, never would have, never hung out at that bar really. Uh, I never really hung out at bars from my hometown. I suppose I wasn't old enough when I lived there. Uh, so uh, we ordered some drinks, and my wife had to go to the bathroom. So she went to the bathroom, and then you know immediately you're in that position where you have to save her seat. So you have to keep telling people that they can't sit there. Right. I hate that. Uh, and so I was telling people, you know, they couldn't sit there, and I sort of turning around. I was trying half paying attention to the folk artist on the uh, on the stage, and uh, my wife came back out of the bathroom, and she looked at the bar, and she noticed that her beer was gone, something that I hadn't noticed. 
And she immediately <laughs> gets into it with this guy that's standing right in front of the bar, apparently drinking her beer. But I don't know. I mean, I of course I trust my wife, but she was in the bathroom. How could she know? How could she be sure that this was her beer that he was drinking? You know. Right. And what if the bartender took it? I see. Exactly. That seems like an even more possible, a more likely scenario. And so I immediately find myself. And, you know, tumbling headlong into a potential physical conflict here with this guy (laughs) immediately. And this is within 10 minutes of getting there. And the guy denies having taken the drink. It does, I have to admit, look like her drink. I suppose it's of the right liquid level. It's got the right color, you know. And uh, and and the guy, but the guy denies it. No, it's not her drink. It's not her drink. They go back and forth, and she appeals to me, and I say, you know, are you sure that it's your drink? She's like, I'm sure it's my drink. So you know, uh, so it goes back and forth, and then she keeps on him, and because I figure maybe she could just ask the bartender for another, because I figure the bartender probably took it. Right. And so after about five minutes of this back and forth, the guy caves and admits it's her drink. Are you serious? After he's been standing there, sipping out of it, and sort of wiggling, he's been, like, dancing a little bit, groovy. You know, it's a groovy place where I've been really groovy. Oh, my uh, God. Sit back over to him. I'm indifferent. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm still just, I'm I'm still depressed at being back at open mic night. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, uh, so any, <laughs> by the way, it's a open mic night on WFMU, uh, 201-209-9368. We're accepting all comers, although it helps if you sign up. So sign up oh, yeah. now for the last fifteen minutes. You maybe. should, yeah, you should have signed up two hours ago. Should have called in at, you should have called in at four to sign up. Really, yeah. But call <laughs> oh, in hey. now, call in now, and we'll try to get you on. Hey there, Birdie. This is a Birdie. Uh, anyway, so um, so with that, so she gets her beer back, and and the guy the guy doesn't. She did not offer to buy her another beer, so she just had to continue drinking this this soiled beer. Yeah. So there we were now, two beers, and uh, you know the this other, you know, someone else had drank out of it, and uh, and and uh, it's just singer after folk singer, and this guy, this MC, is just letting people, like he sort of secretly nods and whispers to them, like one more, one more, like the audience doesn't notice that right. that that it's, uh, and it's mostly performers, but there was a good amount of people in there, maybe thirty or forty people at that hour, uh, but he keeps letting people. They were impro- improvising on guitars. They were treating it like a gig, you know what I mean? People yeah, were setting yeah. up a commitment. They were playing a lot of songs, and they were playing covers. It wasn't necessarily original material. It was dragging on. So I look at the clock, and I say, you know, at 11, I'll stay here till 11, but you know what? It doesn't mean that much to me. In the end, I need to make a video anyways, and, and that's how I'm going to book gigs and all this sort of thing. So it's not a, it's not a necess- necessity that we stick around here. We can go at, at 11. I'm not, I'm not staying here any longer. I'm through with open mic night. Right. Uh, so, you know, sure enough, 11 comes, 11 goes, and it's sort of we, we'd ordered another beer. So it's okay when the beer – when I finish this beer, if I'm still not called up, then I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to go, you know? Right. Right. Uh, So about halfway through the beer, I had to get up and go to the bathroom. So I got up and I went to the bathroom. And when I came back, uh, this guy was drinking my beer. Not the same guy. A totally different guy. (laughs) What's happening at this place? 
It was uh, it was uh, what do I what do you even call it? It was an it was uh, it was an open mic night. I Wait, guess that's was, what you call it. <laughs> was Priya there? Did she see this guy take your beer? No, she didn't see it. These guys are these guys are quick. They know what they're doing, and I can't. It's almost like they they. It's not that they're mistaking it for their own beers. They know it's somebody else's beer. That's so weird. It's really weird. It's a weird place. The town is. A, it's a weird place. It's. It's. It, it. I won't mention the name of it, but it is famous as a weird place. I've never done, heard of that happening. It's contributed a lot of weirdness to the history of the United States. I will say that this town. Uh, and uh, so he, this guy has my beer, and I'm now. There's no doubt that it's my beer. He's standing right in front of my stool. He's holding my beer, and he's drinking my beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I say to the guy. You know, I was like, excuse me, uh, <laughs> got my beer there. And he says, oh, oh. And then he kind of, he's not sure whether he should, he should even bother with an explanation because it's so obvious. <laughs> so he kind of cobbles one together. And he's like, oh, uh, he's like, oh, my beer was right. And, and, he, and he thought maybe he could get away with saying, oh, it was right here. But it was actually way down the bar. He had a beer, <laughs> it was, but it was so far away. <laughs> So he walked all the way down to the other beer, still holding my beer, to show me that the two were different to prove the confusion. And I said, you know, just give me the beer back. He gave me the beer back. This guy, he offered to buy me. He was an older gentleman, uh, maybe maybe wearing a, a wig. And he said, uh, and an ascot. He actually did have an ascot. Wow. And he said he introduced himself to me. He tried to make small talk to sort of negate some of the the, the, uh, the embarrassment. And he offered to buy me another beer, and I just said, you know what, just give me the beer. So he gave me the beer. Now we're both – well, no, she had swallowed her soiled beer. I'm, now I'm in the process of digesting my soiled beer. And we say – I know, and it's bad because, you know, it's one thing if somebody else drinks your beer, but the kind of, the kind of person who would drink your beer – to drink the beer after someone – the kind of person who would drink your beer has exactly drank your beer. Exactly, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the law. I took the scenic route on that description, but that's what I do. No, it, it makes sense. Live from Hollywood, it's night people. <laughs> so you're not going to tell. You're not going to say why you're in Hollywood. It's undisclosed. Oh, it's a secret. Uh, so, 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 th uh, so this place, you can't leave your drink unattended. Basically, no, it's absolutely out of the question. You need to take it with you to, to the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, which I used to do, but only to spike it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that'd be a good we way should... to know it's your beer too. You could just claim it. You could say it's spiked. Yeah. Does it taste like? Does my Coke taste like whiskey? Right. But forgot the whiskey that night. Uh... Oh, the whole thing too with my parents and the the alcohol. It's ridiculous. Staying at my parents' house with the alcohol with the whiskey that we drink. It's too funny. But that's another show. Another show. Uh, we we got a. <laughs> I got so much to talk about too. I got a whole Buddhism story to tell too. Uh, we got a uh, so it's open mic night at night. People still, uh, if you're listening, if you're in your car, you got a few jokes maybe. You got a song to sing. Acapella is fine. Two zero one two zero nine nine three six eight to the phone number. Please feel free, feel absolutely free to call in. Uh, so we were at the so so there we were. He so now we're in these. We were drinking these disgusting beers, and uh, well, they were soiled beers. They were still good beers, but just knowing that somebody else's saliva is mixed in is is a difficult persuasion. So, yeah, that's gross. So here we go. So now uh, he calls up to the microphone the guy who took uh, my wife's beer. <laughs> oh, and and I have to mention that this guy's name was Dave, and there was at least eight Daves at the open mic night, <laughs> and every time he kept calling Dave. And I'd have to look up or he'd say, Dave, you're next. And he'd look sort of cockeyed at me, maybe. And it would <laughs> be another Dave. There was too many Daves. 
But that's the story of my life. Too many Daves. Even in elementary school, there was Dave M, Dave P. There was even two Dave P's. There was even two DMPs. Hey, guess my guess our middle names. That's another game we could play. Two zero one two zero nine nine three six eight. So wait, so how do you how do you distinguish between the two DMPs? Uh, they would call him. Well, it was pretty obvious. He actually ended up going to jail for a certain amount of time. Oh. He was a bad. He was a really bad kid. Even back then. He said, "Good Dave." Yeah, he, yeah. He attacked me once. <laughs> yeah, weird. It's like uh, it was like double dragon fighting my own reflection. <laughs> uh, so, oh, so uh, we. Uh, so this Dave gets up, and now this guy was the worst man. He was a nice enough guy, uh, besides the beer uh, theft. He, uh, but he p- takes out his acoustic guitar and he sang a, a song. That was just, it was like a blues, kind of a blues thing he had going on. And it was it was sort of drawing out. The intro was drawing on, drawing on. And then lyrically, what ended up happening was the song, and it could, I, I said, you know, this is, a, this is a really boring song. I can't really stand this at all, actually. And, and, and the song was about, he was waiting for the bus. That was the, the theme of the song. And he was waiting for the bus. He wasn't making any observations he, while he was waiting for the bus. The lyrical content was consisted primarily of the statement that he was, in fact, waiting for the bus. And there was actually a verse in which he said, I've been waiting 40 minutes for this bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know what to do. I, I wished I was in the Wild West. I would have shot all the glasses uh, behind the bar, the mirror behind the bar. And he goes on, and he's waiting was for the, the song. The bus. Was the song like in real time? Like, did he say that when the song was actually going on for forty minutes? It didn't. You know, I, I would love to say that it actually went on for forty minutes, but in fact, no, it wasn't in real time. But it was. It was in an approximation of real time that was even more infuriating than because real time would have been a novelty, an entertaining novelty, perhaps. You right. Know? Actually, waiting for for forty minutes. Uh, so so. Uh, <laughs> So let's see here. So, uh, so he goes. So he does his song, and this was his second song, the "Waiting for the Bus" song. And then the guy, you know, the open mic M- uh, MC gives him the signal, the little finger wiggle that he's. This is a buddy of his. One more, you know, one more. In fact, he did three more. But the next song he chose to do was "What a Wonderful, What a Wonderful World," hmm. <laughs> which nobody should. They should retire. You know, they retire jerseys. They should retire that song. I think. Yeah, probably. It's a great song in Louis Armstrong, but he did it. He did it perfectly. And you're never going to do it better than that. So let's just hang it up. Let's raise it to the rafters. Yeah, I agree. So uh, my next my next uh, limit is midnight. I say midnight. At midnight, I will leave this place. I will not, I will not stay uh, past midnight. Sure enough, midnight rolled around and... We decided, well, we've come this far. I might as well stay. But in the end, I went on at 1240. Uh. 12.40. To, to a very drunken audience of about uh, 30 people who uh, were not anticipating comedy at all. Uh, and the MC actually included in his introduction... Well, actually, first he, the MC turned to me and asked me what my name was. <laughs> 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 even though I'd written it very clearly as Dave, oh uh, and even though every other person on the list was named Dave, he still couldn't quite remember that. So he called me on. I was the last person to go on, and uh, you really were last, dead last, very literally last. Oh yeah, my uh, and and uh, 
And but I had to do it, and I got on. Nobody was prepared, and and so he prefaced, uh, he included into my introduction the fact that last week there had been a comedian who had bombed, and was and that comedy in general did not work here. <laughs> Why would he uh, do that? Because he's an <laughs> asshole. Because he's an open mic MC. That's awful. So uh, so I so I did I went on and, and I and I, I like to think I killed it. It was good. No, it was a good uh, it was a good show and people I got people's attention and I laughed and and there'll be more on this in the in the upcoming uh, weeks. I'll tell you more. I'll keep you updated on what's happening with all this stuff. It's really uh, funny. so. Let's give people a 201-209-9368. Anybody interested in open mic night? Nobody's got a joke. Nobody's got a. Nobody's got a song to sing, a, uh, a few ba- hum a few bars, 201-209-9368. Anybody have any open mic night experience? Any open mic night MCs out there? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, but I got into more hijinks out in uh, San Francisco. Maybe these weren't my hijinks. Maybe there were somebody, somebody else's. How are you? How's Penny? She's doing great. Uh, she walk? She's almost walking. She's so close. <laughs> That was me playing the a link that somebody just sent. <laughs> well, what was it? An open mic night link? No, it's these are the Daves I know, the kids in the hall. Oh, I love kids in the hall. <laughs> the nineties, right? Everybody, the nineties, uh, comedy, comedy heaven. Simpsons, Mister Show, Kids in the Hall, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. It was all happening back then, right? Yeah, lots of good stuff. But or is it that our comedy was shaped by what happened in the '90s, so that we feel indebted to them in particular? But that everybody thinks that their teenage years were, uh, or their you know that their growing up, their adolescent years were uh, the funniest. Yeah, it's probably a bit of both of those things. That's how it goes. Oh, yeah. sand it. Yeah. So, uh, so I went to, uh, my friend brought me in San Francisco to the Wazangsi Temple, which is a Buddhist temple. Oh, nice. So you're sort of walking around. Now, this is an interactive segment, actually. You can, uh, I can take people through this. Are people listening on the computer right now? Probably. Okay. Go to WW. Well, actually, you know what? Don't go to this. I'm going to, I'm going to. I'll tell you the next place to go. We'll go there together. We'll go to a museum. We're going to a museum together tonight, people. You excited, Sandy? I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. We're gonna go to. Uh, we're gonna go to a museum together tonight. So I, my friend took me to the Wazang Si Temple. He thought it would, it, for many reasons, uh, all for all for the best reasons. He understood exactly uh, the process that I was going to go through there. That process I will now explain to you. So you walk through San Francisco, and uh, just on a on a corner, there's a former church that has this strange, where all the sort of iconography has been replaced by strange, ominous black and gray Chinese symbols and uh, pictures and stuff like that. Huh. Oh, I guess I can post some of these uh, websites on the internet. Yeah. Uh, you, you guys are going to want to check this out. I'm just going to give it to you guys. How do you spell uh, Wasang? Uh, hold on. It's not. That's not the... Uh, here, I got, oh, oh yeah, right. Well, I'll just tell you on the internet, because that'll be quicker than me posting it. So go to www.zhaxizhuoma.net. So that's www.zhaxizhuoma.net. Okay, so this place... Uh, so we walk, we walk, so it's a strange building, and I thought, wouldn't that be fun if we were going in here right now? And then he actually led me right into it. 
and the first thing you notice are uh, that there's all these really wonderful-looking, glowing Buddhas just in the lobby. And he had apparently been there before, and he talked to the monk who, uh, who was sort of at the front door and asked her for a tour of the building for her friends, for his friends. And he and she took us on the tour. So the first thing she lent us into this sort of room uh, where it was sort of uh, it was impressive. I mean, it was this great, beautiful, big Buddha, and it was almost like a Tibetan fiesta in the room. It was all kinds of flags and decorations on columns and and uh, ribbons everywhere. It was a wonderful room, and I could see why he would bring me there because it's just a really cool thing to see, you know. Uh, yes. And we were talking to her about everything, and then he says, and and all. The whole time I was there, I sort of noticed against the wall, there were these great, uh, there were the, just these really interesting framed pictures against the wall. And I was curious about what they were. Uh, and I wondered whether we'd actually see them or whether it was just something that wasn't really that interesting. It just appeared interesting from where I stood. So uh, a little bit into that, after she'd given her uh, description of the room and told us a little bit about the temple, uh, he asked her about the paintings on the wall, which he'd already seen. The whole thing was a bit of a setup in that he'd experienced it all before. Right. Um, but he was interested in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so she said, oh, yes, come, come look at the paintings. So in these incredibly ornate frames were these mind-blowing uh, lenticulars. Do you know what a lenticular is? Yes. It's like they sell them in, the, in some of the Chinatown stores in New York uh -huh. or in Brooklyn on Grand Street, like, uh, so there's sort of, for those of you who don't know, it's sort of a plastic way of achieving a 3D effect with an image. You can do it to basically any image. But these things were the most uh, incredible dioramas of dripping goo uh, and uh, caves and caverns and like uh, little weird animals and strange uh, Buddhist kind of shrine-like pictures. And they were in these incredible frames. And it was, it just, uh, I found it, so I was awestruck. I was really impressed by these. I was thinking, I want to invest in this. I want to find out, I mean, maybe find who these artists are and maybe look, find, go to a gallery and see if maybe I can get my hands on one of these. I wanted to know more. I was enthralled. So, uh, so he says, uh, my friend asked the monk, you know, can you show them the picture? Can you show them the book that shows these artists, you know? So she leads us over to this table and on the table, there's a book. And it turns out that the artists are, are uh, it was like a 14-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. These are the people who are doing this stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was really crazy. And she shows us. And this girl, apparently, uh, she does all these things with, like, signatures. And people go to her. And you tell her your name. And she's Chinese. But you tell her your name. And she signs it, like, in a Western style. And then it's good luck, for instance, to... Uh, it's good luck to copy the signature that she showed you. Hmm. Okay, so then, so then she, she's like, oh, you're interested in this. Well, these children, she says, are actually just disciples of somebody, uh, hold on a second, somebody called H.H. Dorje Chang Buddha the Third. H.H. Dorje Chang Buddha the Third. Who is the reincarnation, I suppose, of H.H. Dorje Chang Buddha the Second. Hmm. And they didn't know he was a Buddha until very recently. You want to see more of his stuff? Of course we do. Come upstairs. We go upstairs. Upstairs is a, an, a wonder, an even more incredible, wonderful, gigantic Buddha that we're just blown away by, totally mesmerized. And in the center, there's this thing called a Yun sculpture that this H.H. Dorje Cheng Buddha III created. Now we're getting into the supernatural. In this Yun sculpture, there is a 
holy relic of the Buddha. That is, uh, that is Siddhartha. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the Buddha that's from our not our generation, but from our life cycle. Let's call it. I'm not. No, I'm talking about this like I know a lot about it. It's only because it's recent. Buddhism for me is interesting. Uh, I like the idea of meditation. What have you ever meditated, Sandy? Uh, yes, yes, I have. It's good, right? It's a good idea. Oh yeah, it's great. Uh, so, but it's not. I didn't go to the Buddhist temple because I want to, because it's something that I'm really into. But now I'm really intrigued. So this has a relic, apparently. I don't know what that means. Is it a piece of his finger? I think it was like a piece of his body. We kept asking questions, but we didn't. We couldn't get too much information. I think she was partially limited by her inability to speak English. But, uh. but all the same. So, so now we're fascinated. And this Yun sculpture. Now I'm going to show you pictures of this Yun sculpture if you're online. We'll tell. I'll tell you all about it. I'll show you exactly what I saw. Uh, that it is a. Uh, it, it was in a glass case. It was gigantic. It was probably four feet tall, and it's just this really dripping. It almost looks like a candle. It's huge though, of like a sculpted candle wax, many colored candle wax, and it's grotesque and it's really beautiful. And I was just impressed. I thought that this was the cutting edge of art. I thought we had stumbled on, upon it. But the giant Yun sculpture, which housed the Buddhist relic, is in a glass case. And the glass case is like in a pool of, of confetti, which is actually just white rice with various painted grains. And then there's these giant plastic jewels everywhere. It was a really uh, stunning sight. Huh. Uh, and uh, so, so we see all this stuff. And then she, she, take, she said, oh, you know, you're interested. Let me show you more of his work. So apparently there's this. There's this um, sculpture which has it's like a big like it looks like a it looks like it's from outer space. It's this glittering double blob inside <laughs> of which has like stalagmites and stalactites, and it's divided in two. And the one side uh, is just clear; it has stalagmites and stalactites. The other side has the same stalagmites and stalactites, except there's a mist inside, which is not created by any artificial means. It's a miracle according to her. Hmm. Uh, and that this is this wonderful thing, and it happens to be on display in San Francisco as we speak, and we should really go check it out, right? Of course we should, right? Yeah. Okay, but on our way out of the temple, uh, she showed us a few pictures of nectar, and I just wanted to mention this as from a supernatural perspective. Uh, have you ever heard of nectar? the nectar? Uh, not the nectar. I guess not, so no. I know too much about this exactly. If you're on the uh, website that I described to you, mm -hmm. you can go under, uh, I think, events, and then go to, uh, let's see here. I don't know where it is. Holy Manifestations, and then you'll see the nectar. It looks like a fungus, but apparently it gives you immortality. Uh. This is something that's going on right now. This is people, uh, Buddhists, Buddhas, and bodhisattvas create this nectar from nothing. It looks and like they, mushrooms. Kind yeah, of. it looks like fungus, doesn't it? And that was my theory too, because would wouldn't uh, wouldn't you fungus kind of comes from nothing, right? Spores don't look like much. Right. Yeah. And so you hallucinate and you think you're immortal, and then I mean you could say you're immortal, really, and it's true until you die. Wait, are they hallucinogenic? I don't know. I don't know what happens. I just know that miracles. She told us about people turning their bodies into rainbows. She told us about all this wild stuff before we left, okay? Wow. Look so, at that stuff. It's crazy looking. 
So the next week, we went to this uh, museum to get a load of this mist thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. For those of you who are following along on this interactive journey, uh, we went to the International Art Museum of America. That is uh, www.iamasf.org. Again, International Art Museum of America, www.iamasf.org. So I'd had a week to think about it. And I was really impressed. I thought, wow, I want to get into this. I want to know more about this kind of stuff. Um, it sounds incredible. So, and we had actually noticed uh, walking from the ferry this gallery and had wanted to go in and hadn't really checked it out much. But the coincidence that we had been interested, that this George A. Chang, the Buddha, the third's stuff was here, uh, it, was, it was perfect. So we all went, me and uh, two other, me, my wife, and two other friends went down to this place. And... From the beginning, there was definitely something weird about the gallery. They were a little overly welcoming. <laughs> Is this? Uh, yeah, it was. It was just like it was almost. You got just sort of a cultish feeling about what was happening there. Right. And there, there was, uh, there was like a plaque signed by somebody who had been on the Olympic committee that somebody that one of the docents was sort of bragging to us about. And they told us that there were works by multiple artists on display. So we thought we'd hit the mother load, the lodestone of this Yoon sculpture movement here. It's here in San Francisco. We're ready to investigate. Right. Uh, and my friend Jordan, actually Dr. Jordan, oh, who yes. has been a guest uh, E on many subjects, mm -hmm. video games and philosophy among, right. amongst them. Uh, he was leading this charge, and and, and well, he but but he knew all. Uh, so he he said something that I never heard anybody ask at the at the uh, to the at the beginning of entering a museum. He said to the woman taking the cash, <clears throat> "Are these the originals? Are these the original paintings in here? You know, huh? Would you ever think to ask that at the Met or at the Whitney or at the Frick? No, I wouldn't." You would assume that what they have on display <laughs> is the original work of art. Yes. But you know uh, what? I think some of the big pieces, some of like the really, really hugely famous, they might sub out sometimes with replications. Uh, Possibly. Would, I, I think I've heard of that before. I, I, I know why he's asking that. But no, I never would ask that. You you like what what example have you heard of like a fam name a famous painting where that's happened like the Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa right I mean unless it's like a conspiracy theory uh, I feel like I've heard of that with like maybe a Van Gogh or something would go on tour and they would put in a, a replication right as a substitute but it would be the right but that's strange still right yeah it is strange. Uh, I mean, the whole nature of art is strange to me. The, I mean, I want to get to the end of this story, but, but, but I don't understand really prints and woodcuts and things like that where you can make us, or photo, especially photographs. I don't understand how they maintain their value, you know, or how you can authenticate it. It all seems so strange and, and risky in a way, you know? Yeah, I know. Uh, so anyway, uh, neither here nor there. We go to this International Museum of America, Art Museum of America, which has not been around for a really long time. Uh, apparently, and he asks whether these art, uh, pe these pa paintings, because we were really interested. We'd seen in the book there was these cool, like acid-looking, acid-washed-looking uh, paintings that we really wanted to get a load of. And so the woman admitted that they were not, in fact, the originals. Huh. Okay, 
So we didn't know what to expect, but nevertheless, we cu- we coughed up our our eight bucks. She, gave, she as a as a favor, she gave after admitting that as a favor, she let us all in for the student discount. Oh, that's nice. Very kind of her. So we go in, and the first thing that's strange is that when she said multiple artists, we thought they'd be multiple Yun artists, but it was like some of the stuff was Yun sculpture, but the other stuff was just like strange painting like old classical paintings by like a dutch painter occasionally put in amongst the other paintings yeah i see that stuff the second thing was that the paintings were not only not the originals they were like cheap photocopies of the originals with gloss like a, some sort of a gloss painted over them so it's not a painting of a painting no it's like it was a just like a printout. printout like a poster yeah that is bizarre they still had the frames, and we were just sort of staring That's at it. So weird. And then That's so weird. we saw them. We saw the mist. Is everybody on the uh, misty thing yet? Yeah, you, I see it. Mysterious see mist inside a stone. You can go to um, let's see here programs. Go to programs on uh, that website. So we're at i a m a s f dot o r g. We're in programs. There's a bust statue of George A. Chang Buddha the third, right? And then go down to Yun sculptures, and now you can see all these things that I'm talking about. Here's all the Yun sculptures. This is what it looks like, and they say it's un- you- nobody can duplicate these sculptures. Apparently, like it's not happening. Uh, but it just looks like insulation foam, kind of, doesn't it? It does. Uh, painted, and you can see the mist thing. So we see the mist thing, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of cloudy in there, but it, I don't know if it's a miracle. That's maybe a bit of a, you know. No, a it's stretch. a miracle. And now, the other thing that happens is that uh, next to these these sculptures and paintings, they have these really extremely hyperbolic descriptions of the paintings which almost throws them into an even stranger light for instance (laughs) the description of the mysterious mist inside a stone which i'm talking about which i mean it's definitely not a stone but here's the description uh the external appearance of this stone is too beautiful to be absorbed all at once (laughs) it looks like a rough unearthed stone that contains jade it is therefore no ordinary stone inside of it is a world filled with mystery and then it goes on and on. But they, what they generally say is, oh, a certain organization offered to buy it for $70 million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, H.H. Uh, H. George A. Chang Buddha III politely refused the offer. And they, you know, and they go on to say things like, uh, you know, this stuff is more... It, it looks just like coral, but it's even more beautiful than coral. You know, and I keep telling you what you think about these items, you know. So it raised. So I'd gone from now feeling sort of duped because now I wonder: is there some sort of a factory? This is the new. It's almost like a scam. Should I not trust the Chinese? What What do I What do I do with all this? You know. And on for this thing, I was ready to champion Yun sculpture, and then one week later, I realized that the whole thing is. Uh, I don't know. It's a farce. And I still don't know what to make of it. And this guy talked to a Buddhist and they, she, uh, she wouldn't, well, not a Buddhist. I talked to someone who was living in a, um, at the, uh, what do they call it? The Zen, uh, what, what is it? The Zen, I don't know. A Zen center in San Francisco. She wouldn't call him a Buddha. And now the whole thing has fallen apart. But it was a good adventure that I just wanted to take you all on uh, 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 into uh, Buddhism and strange forms of art uh, proliferating the United States. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. We're going to end the show 14 minutes early tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>
Uh, so, uh, so that's it. And but that's a strange feeling, right? To be when you get on board with something and you think it's really cool, and then you realize you've kind of been deceived a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know I, more about the nectar. Yeah. Right. Can we get some nectar? I don't think you could get it. There are nectar pills, apparently. So this is, yeah, there's two kinds of nectar. So this is apparently, <laughs> I guess it's a scam, but what's in it for, I mean, it's a good scam. Maybe we should be more hyperbolic in our show description. Yeah, we, we definitely should be. The it's, best, it's the well, most beautiful the best show. show. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Tom does already. <laughs> but it's un- <laughs> it is unbelievably beautiful. <laughs> it is. But he lives up to it, that's the thing. We right. don't. <laughs> That's our that's our contribution. Oh my god. San Francisco, come on, come on. 201-209-9368. Let's get the open mic night going in the last 10 minutes. Well, we should just steal some language off of this thing. Yeah, we could just t- yeah, when we try to but but Liz will probably when we try to call the show our so- softest tissue ever. Remember oh, that when I just right, right. Wait, did that try- did we do that? We actually did do that, right? Uh we tried. We stole it off. We were going to sh- steal our show description off the back of a Kleenex box. <laughs> but Liz, always the wiser, always wiser than us, <laughs> put, it, put the k- kibosh on it. Oh, right, because we had to. she wanted us to actually describe what we were talking yeah, about. It's the show description. <laughs> it's softest <laughs> issue ever. <laughs> we described Kleenex. <laughs> so let me tell you guys, uh, let's get excited about 2012, everybody. 201-209-9368. We've got uh, none other than Bill Dees, a legendary. Seriously, I'm not. This is no hyperbole. This guy's a legendary songwriter. You like the song Pretty Woman? You like the song It's Over? If you can get, I don't know how people get music, but I know you don't pay for it. Go grab it. Go grab the song It's Over by Roy Orbison, and it will blow your mind. This thing is just one. It's a masterpiece of popular music. It really is. Uh, and he's going to be on the show next week. Then we're going to do our five-part series on death two-part series on compu- computers, and uh, we have a, a, another big surprise coming uh, very soon. Uh, actually, I have a really, uh, yeah, it's going to surprise everybody in a, in a couple of weeks. Yes, a big so we, surprise. Uh, so, so uh, you know, keep listening tonight, people. And the marathon is coming up, and, uh, and we have a great, uh, a great gift coming out for the marathon, too. So I'm really excited about 2012. Everybody is, uh, is uh, off to a rip-roaring start. I'm excited. I like this song. It's like I like this music. It's like uh, I feel like I'm, we're at sea a little bit. It's limbo music. Oh, it's limbo music. Even yeah. better. Hey, do you want to do some radio limbo? We should. Two zero one two zero nine nine three six eight. How low can you go? Not very low. Okay, I'll go first. Ready? Go. Oh. Whoa. Oh. I think I made it. All right, it's my turn. Go for it. Hold on, I have to wait for the limbo music. All right, here I go. All right. Come to Limbo Rock. Here I go. Is it my turn? All right, here we go. On the floor. What? Uh, 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 u
little lower. A little bro. lower now. Oh, we got a call. Oh, we have two calls. WFMU, you're on the air. Are you still taking jokes? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Night night. Anyone called in with a joke yet? Uh, no, you're about to. You just did. Okay. Now, I don't have any really good jokes, but can I share to you the wit and wisdom of Ken Jennings' Twitter page? Sure. Sure. What? Just one. Okay. Just one? Okay. Maybe just two. Night night. <clears throat> okay. My kids are on their third straight snow day today, and now that Wikipedia is back up, I'm researching home vasectomy options. Uh. 201-209-9368. Thanks for the call. It's open mic now. WFMU, you're on the air. Hey, Mon. Hey, Mon. Hey, son. I hear you're doing a limbo. Oh, yeah. You want a limbo? A little limbo. Hello. Can you go? So what's what's uh, what's tonight? I gotta flip the record. Two oh one two oh nine nine. Oh wait, we got one more. My turn. like they're giggling at us. Here I go. Nine three six eight. Join us at Limbo Rock. Nine three six eight. Uh, open mic phone. Ow, my elbow. <laughs> Let's go for a swim. All right. Well, that ends the limbo portion of the evening. 
Yes, it does. Now let's jazzercise. Hey, what's a Zumba? Do it again. Come on, lunge now, baby. And side stretch. We'll do it again and lunge. Right. Right. Side stretch. Left. Yeah. And that ends the jazzercise portion of the evening. Jazzercising. Are you want more? What's a Zumba? I think it's like jazzercising. Now to the other side. I keep hearing about it, but I want to do it. Did you hear about piloxing? Is that no? Pilates, Pilates, and boxing. What is Pilates? Is that how you make a grilled cheese? I think so. Side stretch. Now give me a shoulder lunge to the right, nice and slow. Get that shoulder on that knee now. Shoulder lunge. Hold it. And take it up to the center. Now try the other side. Left shoulder lunge. Get that shoulder on that knee and hold it. Oh, those muscles feel good, don't they? Yes. Take it up to the center. Now have a chest lunge to the right. Take it way down and get. I didn't realize that this is what jazzercise was like. Neither did I. I thought it was more like uh, active. Now to the other side. Well, just lunge to the left. I guess this could be active. This is like jazz. Maybe the worst musical choice for uh, exercise. Yeah, I, I think so. All syncopated and stuff. Right. And your knees, your calves. Now hold onto those ankles and get those knees nice and bent. Do you have this girl's number? Straighten them and bend them. One eight hundred jazzercise. And bend. I thought it was two zero one two zero nine nine three six eight, which spells out jazzercise. Nice and center and lunge right. Yeah, take it. Here we go. Oh, she's working it now. Take it center. Side stretch. Take it center. And center, do it again. Lunge, baby. Yeah. A side stretch. Well, one more. Lunge. One mower. Take it center. Side stretch. Left. And center the other way. Lunge left. Center. Side stretch. Right. And center. Terrific. A lunge it. Take it center. And side stretch. Yeah. Next week. Well, please. Look him up. And. He said Bill B's. Look him up next week. This is WFMU East Orange. WMFU Mount Hope. Worldwide on the winter web at WFMU.org. Sandy. Good night, Dave. See you next week.